Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Roshni. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Ada. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, now that we've got you on the podcast, it's uh, taken us, what, like 10 years? Yeah, feels like it, doesn't it? Third time <laughs> lucky, we say. Third time lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I think third time lucky for me was finding my wife. That was the third time lucky. Oh, um, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure she listens to this episode. Oh, no, I mean, I pretend that she doesn't listen to it so I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a bit like my book. When I wrote my book, I just mm. sort of blocked out the wife, the parents, mm. everyone else, you know, because otherwise you get this this kind of um, remorse or block or, yeah, mm. writer's block. Mm. You know? That's interesting. Yeah, writer's block in a different way. You're censoring yourself. Your book is amazing. I have, admittedly, I'm still reading it. Apologies. How much have I paid you for this? You know, just as a disclaimer. Uh, oh, oh um, everyone who's listening, um, Hayda hasn't paid me at all. There's evidence on Twitter. I have fully declared it is a great book. And I will do a review at some point. Thank you. Yeah, do you know? I mean, it took me like I, I think three three years to kind of find the way my way of or or, or my style of writing. Yeah, I thought it'd be easy, but but it wasn't. It just took such a long time to find. You know how you know how can I express myself in the written form? Mm. But it, it feels really natural as a reader. I'll, I'll tell you that because I've met you before briefly. Yeah, and so I could. I mean, I think that's how I write, hopefully, or that's how I, you know, I, I write as I sound, which isn't always appropriate. Obviously, you tailor it. But I think I felt, you know, I was getting to know you through that book. Mm. Even You know, we don't know each other very well. And it's really lovely to actually get to chat to you today. Um, but yeah, I actually felt your style was really authentic, honest, expressing mm. yourself really beautifully, I thought. There were lots of yes moments for me, and I'm sure there will be for many other medics and healthcare professionals that read your book. Yeah. I mean, you know, that book's for me, really. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reason why I wrote it. Yeah. Um, and as a side effect, you know, I think it resonates with some people. Obviously, it won't resonate with everyone. No. Um, if it helps someone else. Great. Yeah. And when, when, when did you first realise that, 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 that sort of books and, and writing and reading was, mm. was your thing? Oh, since I was a little one. Um, a long time ago so I was always I was always had a book in my hand I was scribbling some little stories stories is what I used to write I used to make little little book I can still see myself so the room next door my dad is now is used to be my bedroom and so I'd be by the window typing on my typewriter shows you how old I am typewriters existed or we were using typewriters back in the day in the 70s um, and I loved it I just get really absorbed and that's what I love about writing so 
being able to sort of have time, well, have time to do writing and use writing in my work, you know, sort of not practicing medicine anymore, but drawing all those threads of myself into writing for well-being and writing creatively for myself as a hobby. I'm actually just doing a memoir class, someone as in I'm going to someone else's and it's absolutely fabulous. So what you were just saying resonates with me. We're drawing out, learning all sorts of stuff, you know, drawing out themes. What is it you're actually writing about? Um, but yeah, sorry, that was a long way of answering. I've always written. Then there was a massive gap going on from sort of school, streaming into sciences, uh, secondary school, you know, needing to get into medical school. And that whole looking at the prospectuses, does anyone accept humanities? in 1990, 19, that was the year I was applying, finishing school, um, not really did I want to hedge my bet. So that was a sort of, you know, so I didn't do any humanities A-levels. So that's fine. I've made up for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made yeah. up for it later. And what was the author that really sort of influenced you when, when you were younger, you know, that really... So books, uh, did you say? Sorry. Author, or author. Oh, author. Um, I mean, I was the classic Anne of Green Gables fan, so it doesn't matter if people are laughing out there. I know there are many fans, but, you know, that's sort of a coming-of-age story. So Ellen Montgomery, Canadian author, I mean, it's a classic, um, of a young girl growing up, you know, back in the day in, in rural Canada, in Nova Scotia. But just, just her sense of, you know, Anne Shirley is the main character, and I think any fan of... Uh, literature um, of, of you know those books will know exactly what I mean you know she uses language such as kindred spirit I was having an exchange with someone on Twitter about that phrase I use it that's where I learned it um, but just the sense you know a, a young girl who's quite independent quite feisty um, and yeah in, you know creative and loves her poetry and loves her reading okay she's slightly dramatic um, next question is going to be, can you draw any parallels to yourself, Roshni? But, um, but yeah, in a way, yeah, there's a bit of Anne Shirley in me. There's a bit of Anne Shirley in some of my friends I can recognise. But that sort of free spirit, I think, is a word that's been used about me. And, I, and I'm sort of, yeah, I think so. So sorry, that was a long way of saying, yeah, that's the one author I can remember. Also, I mean, that I would say, but, you know, also used to read a lot of fantasy science fiction. I sort of grew up writing that and, and reading that so I actually quite like to write or try to write mainly sort of they call it slipstream so a bit of a mixture not hard science fiction but um, I do belong to a, a really great writers group called Clock and let me do a plug for Clock House Writers London um, so so we meet monthly I don't always make it but you know online now it's 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 really inspiring a lot of amazing writers in that published writers and I feel a little bit of um I'm not going to say the is word but sometimes i was like when i first joined it was like oh okay but it's great it's inspiring to be amongst other people who write um yeah. and talk about writing and share ideas about writing and, and and what was the most dramatic thing you did as a child what was the most dramatic thing yeah i <laughs> I, I was a pretty quiet child in that I am an introvert and I always joke that people don't believe that because I can chat and I've joked with you haven't I chat and chat and chat you, you know yeah. limit me on what I'm saying today uh, but I will chat away but I think that's what's called an ambivert I'm trying to think of something dramatic I did there was nothing particularly dramatic that I did as a child well probably going from humanities to, to medicine I think that was quite dramatic oh that was later <laughs> 
I'd grown up a bit, yeah. No, exactly. All the dramatic things I've done have been more in my adulthood, I think, sort of late, shall I say, late teenage rebellion, but not a rebellion. Now, now oh no, that's a hook now that you can use. Um, I, I say I'm a quiet rebel at heart. Um, I'm not, you know, like some of my friends and colleagues are activists and really passionate about what I'm passionate about what I do and what I believe in, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, and that's creativity and writing in particular and using that with healthcare professionals and with the public, because that's, that's what I do in my work with Storied Cells, which is my little business, um, writing for wellbeing. But yeah, changing from, I, I don't see it as a change from medicine because I'm, you know, very much rooted in, still in medicine and, and, and that's a whole issue, isn't it, about identity, which is always at the forefront of, of, of how I think and what I talk about and when I'm interacting with other colleagues and social media for example identity is something that's always drawn me and I don't think you can you know can you and someone and someone else asked me recently another colleague um who isn't a clinician but you know who are you who's the self and it made me think and we were just on an introductory zoom and it was yeah we can label ourselves can't we doctor mm. and I don't like to do it but we do it naturally because society does enforce that on us doesn't it for, for, for better or worse you know doctor or medic uh, writer, um, daughter, sister, etc., etc. So mm. these are all roles. But actually, what Mike made me think was, yeah, and I said it aloud, is yeah, who actually am I, Roshni B. Harry? Mm. I haven't answered that yet. <laughs> so um, uh, though I have, you know, in my head, I'm sort of answering it. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting to have those sort of, you know those sort of thoughts or have, mm. have discussions with people that provoke those sort of thoughts. So from a career change point of view, I think I sort of describe it as a sidestep from clinical medicine into academia. Um, so teaching has always been my passion, I think. And sometimes you, you know, it's always been at the core of me, sort of communicating, um, developing other people, but also developing myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly I've done three degrees. I love to learn. Um, <laughs> I think it's evident I do like learning. I like learning by talking to other people. I like learning from, you know, reading and, you know, all the different methods of learning and, and, and just being open to learning. And I was talking to my, I'm teaching health and social care students at the moment in a, a, a online setting, a, a private university. And it's fantastic because that's, yes, I miss my lovely medical students. Don't get me wrong, but it's really refreshing to be able to work with a different population, truly interdisciplinary um, education, which is a big passion of mine, um, truly interdisciplinary in that they're, they're mature students that are coming back to studying from um, uh, maybe not having studied first degrees in the first, it's a foundation degree. Um, first place, some of them are career changing, a bit like me, um, but, um, but, but just sort of talking about, and we're doing, and the modules I'm teaching are brilliant, they're reading modern society, perfect for me, we're reading George Orwell, Oliver Sacks and Polly Toynbee. So social, social sciences, I'm learning, mm. um, I'm having to learn because the last social sciences type of degree that I've done is my creative writing and personal development degree, which I did at Sussex. And I did that in 2003 to 2005 whilst I was a busy registrar in rehabilitation medicine in Northwest London. So I was on my training rotation, but I was so interested in, you know, the impact of, of, of what writing did for me and returning to writing and, and, and some, you know, pivotally after my brother's death exactly 25 years ago, last week, um, when I first started writing poetry. 
that really helped me with my grief process, which is ongoing. I mean, it's still ongoing. 25 years later, I wouldn't be talking about it and I wouldn't be writing about it and podcasting about it. Um, so that grief is an ongoing process. I think we'll all, all agree, those of us who've lost people um, and losing a sibling, I don't think there aren't any words for it. Um, so sorry if I become a bit emotional. That's understandable. You know, this was during your um, medical training. Um, it was. Yeah, it was six weeks. He died six weeks before finals. And you know what? The most brilliant. We had a very strict. I trained at St. Mary's in London and we had, you know, classic training. And it was great. It was brilliant. Small medical school. And, um, you know, really old-fashioned consultants who would scare you <laughs> but the, the I remember lovely and I still remember his name obviously I won't say excuse me um and he's going to be retired by now but he was the undergraduate tutor and he was really lovely and offered me and the registry team I, I will always remember them the things you don't forget people you don't forget and they arranged a meeting with him and, and you know he talked to me about and I was in a flux of you know um you know I've been call back home etc I don't know what to do you know my brother's about to pass away basically um what do I do do I do finals with six weeks away so and he was just really kind he, my brother died of colon cancer and he happened my the consultant happens to be a gastroenterologist and he just sort of said look you've done really well you've come this far um just just carry on with finals but obviously go home you know be with your parents and you know if there's any and I just can see him now and the exact office I'm in at, at Mary's hospital which isn't used as a medical school now the medical school opposite the hospital um and and he said if there's anything I can do <laughs> wasn't expecting to cry but um, do you know what, how powerful that is? I think you do know how, I mean, you do know how, how powerful that is. Let me say to anyone who's listening to me blubbering away, that, that showing interest in someone, in a colleague, in a student, I think, you know, he was one of my role models. A lot of my role models were male consultants. Oh gosh, I've started Hader off everyone. Sorry. Um, Right, get it together. So that's a good message, isn't it? You've got students, you've got so many students. So I know that we're, you know, we're all, we're all at different stages of our career. I think being a student is a really vulnerable time. I've got, you know, I've got lots of lovely friends who, who, who are at different stages and I've got lots of colleagues who are, who are consultants as well. And we often share these experiences or it would be nice to share them together, but I find the Twitter community, uh, uh, you know, people who know me will know I'm on it a lot, um, but it's kept me really connected, actually. I've been on, you know, trying to get university jobs this past year. But anyway, coming back to my messages, you know, reaching out, it's so important for people's mental health, which impacts their physical health. Just offering, that, just saying, is there anything I can do? You know, this scary consultant was really lovely. He took the time to sit with me. And I've experienced, I've been lucky enough to experience, there's a lot of, um, you know, negativity I can see on social media against seniors and senior, I'll call it senior bashing, shall I? 
Um, I think we're both consultant level. I used to be a consultant in rehabilitation medicine, so just five years before I left for teaching in undergraduate. Um, I, I don't think anyone's sort of, well, I don't know, they might be, they might be referring to me, you know, five years ago, this consultant did this. Well, I hope not. I hope I wasn't that type of consultant. Well, we're human, Russian. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we are human. Yes, we're human and we're vulnerable and we're fallible. We make mistakes, yeah, yeah. We make definitely. mistakes, exactly. We get upset with people. You saw, you saw all the mistakes I've made in my book. It's an absolute disaster. <laughs> you sort of like and that's how we learn. Yeah. And I think, and I think humility, and I do talk about, I do talk about this a lot to myself, to the Twitter sphere, um, and, and lots of other people do. And I really like reading what other people think as well. Um, you know, being human is at the core of everything. That's sort of stating the obvious, Roshni. That's not very profound, but we are human. And it comes back to identity. We're human first. And you said that on quite a few podcasts. I was listening to the brilliant podcast with Dr. Ross um, and Pauline, amazing uh, Dr. Pauline um, uh, of Doctors Caring for Doctors. And, um, you know, it all comes back to identity. It's really hard, isn't it, to enmesh. It's so enmeshed being a doctor. Mm. But mm. actually, we weren't born doctors. Well, I wasn't. Someone once said to me, well, you're a writer first, then you're a doctor. And I said, you know, and that was another writer in a writing group I belonged to 25 years ago. She's not a clinic, you know, nothing to do with medicine. I thought that was really lovely. But she told me that about 25 years ago. Um, so, you know, I just, I was qualified and stuff when I joined a writing group. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, un do we need to unpick our identity? Sometimes we do. Um, but I think at the core is, is knowing who you are at the core. And look, I didn't know I was going to cry. It's not a problem. Crying really yeah. helps me. Yeah. I mean, identity helps others. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really help ourselves. I mean, we know who yeah. we are. So it's just a way of, you know, showing people who, who we are. It's because we know who we are. We the problem arises are. is when you don't know who you are. Yeah. Yes. Then, then it gets all mixed up because then you're using identities from other people in order yeah. to identify yourself. Yeah. And that's possibly where role modeling comes in. I mean, in medicine, where yeah. role yeah, in. I mean, I mean, as you way. said, we we are vulnerable uh, mm. in earlier ages and also as, as students to our to our teachers. So that's where the responsibility comes from. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah. So, so, so it's important to sort of say to the student, it's all about you. I'm just yeah. here. To give you some ideas but the rest is actually mm, about exactly your identity yeah it's exactly what i'm saying to my students yesterday it's sort of your adult well okay your adult learners so they're trying to empower them that it's you know i'm here to sort of well it's a sort of term scaffolding isn't it but i'm here to support you but actually you're doing the work which might sound a little bit harsh but no i mean you know said in the right way but that's exactly it we're here to support each other you know, I've learned from other people and, and yeah. you know, we've picked, haven't we, either subliminally or or um, consciously. Yeah. Oh, I quite like that style. And I, I've recently reunited um, with with my previous, I won't say old, previous registrar who's, you know, a consultant now. And it's so lovely mm. to be able to say, actually, you really influenced me. You are my number one role model. And he said he was really touched. Um, but, you know, I think things like that, I think, I think actually there's a lot of criticism um, about medics, you know, we get enough, we, I'm still a medic, I suppose, so there goes the identity clash, um, we get a lot of um, 
uh, flack from the public. I mean, I can see it all in the media and I'm not in practice anymore, but you know, I do, it does make me sharp intake of breath. Um, so it goes from, um, you know, vilification to the collapse on a Thursday, which I know a lot of friends who are medics and colleagues and just reading in the media, you know, have different varying views for and, um, where am I going with this thread? But yes, if we, if we, you know, we have a lot of external judging. Um, so please let's not judge each other as well, because we are all part of one community. Mm. You know, one, the human race is the bigger, bigger picture as we're coming back to being human and fallible and vulnerable. But actually we, we should all be there to support each other. And that's not just doctors, it's working. You know, we work as teams. We don't work in our silos. And I'm glad to see there is, and I've noticed in medical, you know, 25 years, I have noticed changes. And I was involved recently with the Academy of Medical Educators and, and, and some other wonderful colleagues in, um, you know, organizing an interdisciplinary, a, a small interdisciplinary conference called in Terabang. Um, and that was great because we, we tried to draw people, you know, we tried to focus, make it as interdisciplinary as possible, you know, not just us, a bunch of medics. So we had, you know, my speech therapy colleague and friend, um, but, you know, trying trying to break down those silos of we're all in it together. What's it? I mean, I'm, I'm talking way before COVID and way beyond COVID. I mean, I've been talking about hashtag beyond COVID since last year. It's not taken off yet. Maybe it will. Um, but, but, you know, we need uh, this is an awful, awful time. And, I, you know, I always want to say thanks to all of you and you, your clinical colleague, you know, for, for keeping us all going and looking after the, you know, community and looking after us all, where, in whichever countries, to all my colleagues, um, you're doing an amazing job. And sometimes I think it's hard to recognise that when you're immersed in the maelstrom. Um, and I think we, we do ourselves a disservice if we don't voice that to each other. Um, you know, I don't mean gratuitous pats on the backs, etc. But you know, if you're at work and someone's done something good, be they, um, you know, sometimes a senior colleague, you know, you might have a consultant who's done something that supports you. It's, it's really nice to feed that back to them yeah, yeah. in an appropriate way. I don't know what your experiences have been, but it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, to have absolutely. Write something or say something to you, or write an email and just say, you know, Doctor B. Harry, thanks for your time that day. And that's not to build my ego up. That's that. What that shows is I'm not in a bubble by myself, and I'm I'm up there. I've never sort of. I personally hope I've never put myself up on a pedestal. I just don't think I'm that sort of person. I hope my friends would support me. Friends that know me closely know that I'm not that sort of person that would put myself up on a pedestal. And yeah, you you you're down there, student. And I, that makes me really upset when I read reports of medical students being on the periphery and feeling on the periphery. So whenever I'm teaching or whenever I'm working with a group who I might never meet again. So I do sessional teaching at various medical schools. Um, so, you know, it's just to remind them. So, so when someone says, oh, but I'm, oh, but Dr. B. Harry, I'm just a medical student. And I say, stop, stop there, please. And I say it like that in a comical, I use a lot of humor. Um, and I said, stop there, please. You are not just anything. You are part of the team. You are part of the team. And, you know, that's how I was treated. I mean, yeah, well, I was treated in different ways, obviously, through different stages by different consultants. But, but the people that stick in my mind and the thing that I carry through, I hope, as a clinician, as an educator, is trying to empower other people mm. to see that they matter, that we all have a value. It doesn't matter 
and yeah, wrote a poem about it, etc. And I recorded it for um, a colleague, Nicola Davis. She was doing some work with the Royal College of Radiologists, and it was inspired about this terminology, you know, resilience and what does that mean? I'm not going to, you know, go into a whole diatribe. I'm not an expert. Do you want, do you want, do you want to read it or is it not under your hands? It's, it's not to hand, um, <laughs> but you can access it. You can access it. See, we should have prepared. Um, but I did think about that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's the first time I have been a little bit activist, which was like, and I can say, you know, we can attach it to the programme notes if you want, if anyone really wants to see me, a little video of me. But, and I, I'll pop it on Twitter or whatever, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's really me saying, don't let anyone tell you you're not good enough. Yeah. You know, um, because we've all been through that, through our, you know, whatever upbringings, we bring that with us. We bring that with us. And we yeah. should not bring it to other people. We should, yeah. we should not be here. That, I don't think that's our role in life as healers, as people. You have to question what your role in life is and that comes doesn't it at different stages of our lives as we grow older and i certainly you know i think i know who i am i've known who i am from quite a long uh, uh quite an early age and a lot of my friends i went to school with said yeah you've always you know that whole saying old head on young shoulders i think that's a fair comment uh, look at the gray hairs um coming through but yeah the no hair no hair on, <laughs> Bless you. on old shoulders <laughs> Exactly. And there's a wisdom with life and life experiences. I mean, what I've just shared has impacted my life. You know, though I, ha I haven't been thinking of it consciously, I've been too busy, 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 busy as a doctor. If you don't stop and think and stop and reflect, what life does to you is it stops you. And that's what happened to me the year after my brother died. And I was very severely unwell with depression. So, How did you survive work then, you know, with, with you know, mm. such a trauma? And then you started the house jobs and yeah, you know, the, whole, exactly the, whole, mm. the whole hell of that, you know, mm. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I'm a total <laughs> atypical medic. medic. See, I, I loved being a doctor. I didn't leave medicine because I didn't love being a doctor. I left medicine because I loved doing something else. My passion is teaching. I didn't, I don't need to defend this, but I do. I didn't burn out. Oh, wow, Roshni, that's an accolade. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's, I just want to make it clear. It's really important to know, because there's a lot of people wanting to leave medicine, that you can leave medicine, that's your choice, but do it for the right reason. I have never looked back. It has been the best decision that I made in 2000, March 2011, uh, because education has always been something I wanted to combine with my clinical career. Unfortunately, in my small specialty of rehabilitation medicine, um, you know, not so many options to become an undergraduate. Maybe I could have been, you know, I sort of think now, oh, well, if I was still hospital medicine, I would be doing that. You know, that those are the type of roles I'd be doing. You know, I was an educational supervisor. I was leading for the department in both my consultant jobs. Um, but sorry, I'll lose a thread. I do this and then I eventually come back. Total tangential thinking. Um, getting up really unwell interrupted my career. So I was a year in, I was just about to start, um, I was just starting my senior house officer year. So in old money, uh, the senior house officer year is the core medical trainee language now, isn't it? Um, so I'd done my first year of house jobs and what had happened is I'd moved away from home for the first time. So I studied in London, I live in London, I am a Londoner, um, I'm back home now. Um, so I moved away properly for the first time with my parents' blessing because I was still, you know, I'd done finals, did really well, whatever, and well, passed, that's the main thing. And um, my parents were, no, you need to go. You start, they're not medical, I'm not from an immediately medical family. Um, and um, 
yeah so I went and I didn't breathe and I didn't think and I mm. you know remember what I, I will always say tell this story I remember one day of having I think had some a day off or had some time off after on call the luxury yeah of working one to three one in three let me just drop that in um was being in my lovely new residential room we had lovely ensuite rooms such a luxury then um at the lovely hospital out, out in Buckinghamshire and just crying and just weeping and then okay I've stopped crying now that's done knowing in my heart that's not done but you know what as you say the madness of medical life takes over learning being part of a team so you carry on you carry on move back to London lived in for my next job at amazing I'll always love that hospital central Middlesex where I trained um surgical house job notice the energy flagging towards the end of that year notice my confidence going down a little bit you know, you know, one of these people that really loved what I did was good at what I did. No issues, no complaints. Da, 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 da. Loved it. Um, loved the business of it, I think. I was thrived on that. Certainly recently I've slowed down, uh, though my friends will say, really? Um, you do so much, Roshni, quote unquote, will go on my gravestone, I think. Um, but uh, then I noticed the difference when I became an SHO, confidence just went. I was, I, I can remember distinctly. So here are some, I think you, psychiatrists call it signature, signature signs. Um, there's a new phrase I've learned from psychiatry colleagues, but yeah, not sleeping properly, worrying about, I didn't know how to, I can remember specifically telling my non-medical mum, waking her up, in, so this is not normal, waking up in the middle of the night and saying, I can't remember how to treat a deep vein thrombosis. You know, that's not normal. Um, so lots of, and I knew it wasn't normal, but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, so, and asking my registrar, look, I'm really not confident. After a year of being confident and, you know, dealing with cardiac arrest, okay, and being part of the team, suddenly not being confident. Sorry, there's the sound of me clicking fingers. I do that a lot. Um, not being confident and asking for help, asking, could you back me up? And being really anxious about on calls. So, so those were my signs. And then luckily, not second time in my life, a really inspirational consultant took me aside, you know, not wanting to go into work. So, um, and asked me the question. So she asked me the question, she didn't tell me. And she's, she's, she's a very well-known geriatrician. So I was doing geriat geriatrics, care of the elderly at the time, which I loved. Um, do you think, talked to me a bit in her office and then said, do you think you could be depressed? Because I know you lost your brother last year. My response, and I was thinking about this this morning, was, oh, um, no, I don't think so. Because I was like, well, I don't recognise, I know what the textbook signs of depression are. You know, I've studied them at medical school, I know what they are, da da da, I'm relatively, you know, well read, whatever. No, don't think so. And well, so she was the lady I would say that saved my life from that point on. Um, change, you know, that it was a turning point, I suppose. So. Um, another doctor again, reaching out, a senior doctor, reaching out to a junior doctor. Another role model. Another thing that people should be aware of that they should be doing, whatever stage you are, be you a core medical trainee and you notice a colleague in difficulty or you get a sense of it. I think we all have a gut feeling. We are all caring people in the caring professions. And even if you're not, you get a gut feeling when your friends or your colleagues are not quite right. And I'm seeing a lot of evidence of that, which is fantastic. You know, just ask, 
just just arrange something private maybe I know it's really difficult now but you know and particularly you know the distance etc but just just do, I've been leaving I've been I've converting my friends to voice um little voice messages on whatsapp yeah yeah so can you imagine my voice I'll do it to you one day Hader. so just send a little message I have chronic pain so I have a disability effectively along with a whole list of other things <laughs> Um, litany of other things so it's hard to type um, and, oh. and I get really tired yeah so I'm just supposed to rest my hands you know so I'm on the PC obviously for work and stuff and, and just yeah I mean you do write long emails I must say yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm gonna hoot with laughter because everyone listening who knows me will go you've just found that out Hader okay look I'm improving all right concision has never been my strength I just write yes no see yes, you sir. next week that, that. <laughs> Good. my best friend yeah she's not a medic she says sorry Roshni I might come over as clinical and I'm not clinical I just say no it's fine we are who we are yeah, yeah. because the day you don't get a long email from me is might be quite worrying mightn't it um no I'm joking so anyway I've converted people to little voice little voice messages so it's, Hi, yeah but those you? voice messages take like 24 hours anyway it's like fuck's sake just, just say <laughs> yes that's point. enough get to the point yeah. get to the point yeah so that spells volumes about me, people. Um, and that's probably the writer in me and just, yeah, just the general chatter in me. Yeah, there's a lot of content there. And, and, you know, we just don't have time to process the content. Exactly. But sometimes if you care enough about someone, no, sorry, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. But sometimes if you pay attention to the content, that's where the richness is. That's where the message yeah. is. And sometimes it's it, it could be where the cry for help is, actually, if we think about what we've just been talking about. Yeah. You know, for yeah. someone to actually make the effort to communicate can be really difficult, can't it? We all know if we've been depressed or if we're anxious. And sometimes we don't. And sometimes it takes another person to make that move, I think is what I'm saying. When, when, when did you realise you were turning the corner... Oh, uh, about I sort very of, well. you know, healing or sort of, yeah, yeah. That first time, so I was 26, 26. So yeah, formative years, you know, the frontal lobe of the brain. I mean, I was near a rehab, so I've been thinking about this recently and you know, still keep in touch with that sort of side um, of the world. Um, but I think the turning point was, I remember, um, yeah, it was about writing poetry and I joined a writing group um, and I can remember clearly being in a park and feeling and nature is massive. I should, should not forget to mention nature. So my two therapies, uh, all I need is if I'm feeling a bit grumpy or a bit angry, is just step outside. My garden's wild, you know, in COVID, thank the Lord that I've um, got a garden because there are so many people that aren't blessed to have an outdoor space. And I've stayed really, I'm glad to say I've stayed really well this year. It's been a really po um, horrible year. Don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing. Horrible years yeah, for everyone and, um, but for me, it's actually been a really good time for me to just gather myself and reflect. Yeah, I mean, so introverts have done really well in the yeah. last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, introvert. it's like, do you know what? So I used to work, commute two and a half hours to South London for my first academic job from north to south and then come back and be shattered. And it's like, oh, it's lovely. I loved being around people. But yeah, let me just shut the world, my front door on the world. Yeah, really it's glamorous life I led to stick the TV on or whatever have a bit of dinner and then take about a day to recover because I was part-time it was great I would recommend being part-time there aren't enough flexible training posts there certainly aren't enough senior level or academic posts I'm just putting that out there now for anyone who's listening um but part-time training is 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 um 
I would recommend it if you can and if you can afford it. Well, part-time working because then it allows you to focus on your other interests and we should all have other interests, be they related to medicine or not. I mean, why not? Really? Mm. Writing for well-being, writing, helping others in a different way beyond my stethoscope and my clinical skills. But turning the corner was through, yeah, and writing poetry. I never wrote poetry as a child. We must have done it, you know, you must have done it at school. I remember reading Cat in the Hat. Um, you know, we need to have that poetry that you wrote that kind of turned the corner. So we need to... If you, oh, if, it if, was a poem about my brother. Yeah, it was a poem about do you, my brother. Do you, do, you, do you have it at, at hand or should we put it in the notes? Or put is it in it the notes. We'll put it in the notes. notes. No. Too, too, too emotional. No, no, oh. it's not. It's not. Oh, if cool. I, I, I should have thought of that. Yeah, I should have checked that with you. But, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Poor listeners are like, oh, God. Roshni's poetry. All right, you can read it on screen. <laughs> um. But yeah, that did that did, and just being and you know, what did what what did that do to you? What, did it did it slow you down? Did you start sort of processing what what happened? Or a little what? bit, yeah, recognizing, giving a voice, and that's what I think poetry. I I, I love fiction as well, so that I don't just focus on poetry, but I think poetry, and I think many people who are poets will read poetry, and lots of people have been coming back to poetry, haven't they, during COVID? I mean, you look above my shoulder, you know, poems from the NHS. Um, you know, it's been really popular. Um, because I think poetry distills and crystallise, can crystallise in a few words. That's when I'm concise, by the way. I have evidence. Um, <laughs> um, so Write your emails in poetry. Maybe that's... Uh, my boss has said that. My, one of my, my last boss did say, um, yeah, your email's too long. I said, maybe I'll write you a haiku. The, What's a haiku? Um, Three-line poem, syllabic oh. poem. Yeah, not, not my expertise, but you know, oh. yeah, quite, quite nice to write. Um, and uh, so I can do it. I do. I do write them, but I can do it. But coming back to the fact that, yeah, I think the poetry has a power to crystallise um, emotions, experiences that we can't artic always articulate. Right. I hadn't arti at that stage. What was it? 1997, 98. I hadn't. It was 98 when I wrote my first poem. I hadn't been able to articulate my grief. I mean, I was sort of frozen, really. That's the type of depression I have. Uh, or when I get it, I've had two episodes in my life, so 20 years apart, so yeah, and they seem to be related to grief or losing someone, I think. Mm. I don't do grief, clearly, um, but who does? So yeah, it's just being mindful of that um, and, and doing what nurtures you. Nature nurtures me. Um, going out for a stomp, I remember I texted one of my best friends as a GP, one of my oldest friends, I'm going, yeah, this has really annoyed me, I'm going for a stomp with my Nordic sticks, so Nordic walking is something I've, I'm not very energetic and, you know, really overweight, etc, so trying to do a bit, you know, get fit and stuff anyway for a few years, Nordic walking is quite fun, you know, it's social, you can do it, well, before COVID, you can do it in a group, yeah. um, so walking with sticks, it's what apparently um, skiers do, when they're off duty you can always hit people with it if you know if you don't like them oh them believe me you know social distancing my stick is at nearly two meters okay well it's less than two meters but people have come up and touched me on the shoulder to say yeah. your stick is sticking out madam i'm really sorry didn't mean it to but you know you've come now within an inch of me <laughs> yeah, yeah. stay away I think how ironic it is yeah i have sublimely tried to use my sticks to just you know under your arm you're trying to pile your shopping in hasn't worked yeah it hasn't worked in the queue but yeah many many uses um but have you uh, have you poked anyone in the eye oh yeah no i wouldn't do that i wouldn't oh, hurt that's 
I wouldn't hurt. I wouldn't. I do not want any, you know, anyone to think I would ever hurt anyone intentionally. But let's just say I think creatively when I'm trying to put distance between us, people in cues. But yeah, sometimes. But you know, just... you know, some of our writing does hurt people. You know, you know, with all yeah. good intentions, you know, we yeah. write, well, you know, some of us don't have good intentions. Some people write to hurt, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a different kind of mm. kettle of fish. But then, you know, I hope most of us write with a good intention. With a good intention. And yeah. even with that good intention, it hurts a lot of people. Mm. And, and you touched on that with your, with your book. About yeah, you oh my God. You know, and the I last, impact. you know, the well. last uh, family meeting we had, it was, it was pandemonium oh. all because of my book. And I said, look, the intention of writing this book is not to upset you. The intention is yeah. to heal myself, yeah. which is a primary intention because I was going through a lot of mm. burnout issues at the time and a lot of mm. psychological distress mm. and it worked for me. Mm. And I thought to, to be honest, I thought the book was useless and I got really depressed and actually suicidal at one stage, Gosh, having yeah. written the book, mm. thinking to myself, well, what's the point of all this? And then I sent it out as a, as a beta version to a few friends. And I got an email back saying, you know, you saved my life. I, I was contemplating suicide mm. when I read yeah. this. And that was my kind of light bulb moment. I thought, mm. fuck, you know, do, do, mm. is it really that? You know, I, I, I realized mm. that there was some benefit in my suffering. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's it. You know? all, yeah, it was amazing because I was thinking that as I was reading it, like this would really help X. This would really help. So like people I don't even know on social media that I've seen are going through issues. You know, yeah. this would really help them. Um, and I think we put, you know, that's part of what I posted about it as well. And, but, you know, I wasn't brave enough to talk about it. And then, you know, no. um, whatever you know whether it's the universe or god or whatever superpower put me yeah. in a situation um uh, four years later where i was yeah. confronted by my family members mm. hating on me because i wrote a few sentences in the book mentioning their names or you know mm. their mm. their characters yeah. um and that was interesting even more interesting because because it, it shows their internal dynamics and yes. all their projections onto me and you know and then I realized why they were reacting that way or why they traumatized me in a certain way when I was younger. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, but isn't that always the way that we look for ourselves? So, you know, I was talking about poetry. Sometimes it resonates with people, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I, I was talking about the fact that, yeah, it can be you sort of catharsis on the page, but it can also be you sharing an experience like nature. I write a lot about nature. That's pretty universal. I don't tend to write about my deep, dark feelings or whatever, you know, do I have any? I don't know, yeah, we all do. Um, but I tend to write things about nature and wider things, but that's because that's what I love. Yeah, yeah. And if, yeah. hey, if anyone loves it- It talks right, to you. It talks to me, it speaks to me. It speaks to my soul, it feeds my soul. Yeah. So why not, if that's what inspires you? But yeah, the collateral damage almost is what I like. I don't know, yeah. I like to use that word phrase, but for maybe that does describe, you know, the collateral damage of then writing something more personal, yeah. You take that risk, don't you? It is very yeah. vulnerable. Like I do open mic and it's then I realize and all the transferable skills. Part of the reason I do open mic poetry or readings is well, it gives me a buzz now. I used to be a child with stage fright. Yeah. Now, I can, you know, if I could talk to 196 medical students in a lecture, I, you know, face to face, I could certainly stand up in front of 50 people. 
yeah, yeah. And, and that's what that's the beauty that's why I love what I do because it all feeds into each other it makes me a better educator it makes me a better person you know it just makes me feel richer as a person and I'm developing and has that come with time, time or or with experience or just just life just life both really it's like let me push myself out of the comfort my comfort zone so, you know you asked me have I done anything dramatic as a child no not really yeah um, I just wrote in a memoir piece in class about climbing the apple tree that doesn't exist now. My brother was right at the top. You know, he's as brave as anything. He was brilliant. Uh, you know, as not just boys, just him, I think. And I was like, oh, really? All right. I mean, I was a bit of a tomboy, but not like, you know, climbing trees tomboy. But it was like, it was really free. It was great. I love trees. <laughs> I haven't climbed one since. Um, but do you know what? Like, my life's not over yet. Um, Maybe so that's the next the next that's task next for you challenge yeah. for me that's yeah. as dramatic as i get i've been I up can't. in a hot air balloon that was fantastic for my oh i'm scared of heights I, you know i sort of oh, avoid I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. i mean you know don't put me on the precipice of anywhere unnecessarily but you know generally i'm okay and spiders Mine's no no spiders. i can't i can't handle spiders <laughs> or um wait, heights yeah it's traumatize everyone listening like, yeah you've traumatized <laughs> me now <laughs> Which do like exposure therapy spiders? Yeah. But, yeah. Don't take out a tarantula, you know, just this I'm instant. Like, I'm dusted. There won't be any spiders in my office. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it is. It's just life experience. So, I, you know, I'm working with new, younger colleagues and we're having chats and, and, you know, we can't meet or online saying, yeah, it's life experience. You know, we're just reflecting on our new job and the trials and tribulations of X, Y, and Z and processes and, oh, yet again, another process, you know an induction and um yeah as you, you bring all that with you don't you to everything you do you bring your yeah. life experience you bring your professional experience sometimes you have to curb it a little bit well i mean you know i found that once i stopped curbing it at work you mm. know i was more myself and okay i will upset some people and some patients will make complaints and i mean they haven't really made formal complaints but you know they say oh that doctor's a bit weird or <laughs> wait till they meet me yeah uh, <laughs> you're not meant to agree you're not meant to agree oh i'm joking um yeah i mean, that was a bit confusing given that you're not kind of working as a uh, doctor you don't need to analyze it that thoroughly <laughs> <laughs> that's why i thought we would we would get on as i was saying in my email to you because i think we've got a similar sense of silly sense of humor i don't take myself seriously as you can tell um you don't but you take your email seriously <laughs> fuck's sakes like uh. all, all anyone can hear me doing now on this podcast is giggling it's good it's good to laugh the endorphins you know it's good to cry and it's good to laugh the two extremes thank you yeah i mean it's all about the affect isn't it it's all about the the emotions and yeah. un, un, unfortunately um you know the whole medical system sort of frown upon the affect well, I think I think you've touched on it beautifully, and many of you haven't. Pauline's podcast was amazing. Um, these are the two most recent I've listened to. Um, <laughs> sort of like prepare myself to be in the hot seat today, um, though I've listened to your series before. But it, it's it's being your authentic self, isn't it? When can we be our authentic selves? I I think what you're getting now is Roshni. I mean, I've cried, I've giggled, I've giggled again. You know, um, you've got frustrated. I've got, you've got angry. No, I didn't. Come on, come on. Um, well, we need to get but, that as well, isn't it? No, a bit more no, frustration. 
no, um, no, you don't. Oh, what is that? Bruce Banner, child of the seventies. You don't want to see me angry. Yeah, oh, then, I used to love him. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Oh, I used to so love him because I, I, I got angry so many times when I was a kid, and I just wasn't allowed to mm, go crazy same. at same. all. Yeah. Never. It's like the moment you sort of you frown. Yeah. It stopped in his oh, yeah. tracks. Oh yes. <laughs> And yes, I had a very strict mum, so, um, you know, mother issues um, <laughs> back on the therapist's couch. So, yeah, that's why I didn't do any dramatic. And it's God rest her soul, you know, if my mum. I wonder what my mum's reaction would be to me giving out medicine, I often think. Um, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I too, I to bite the bullet and, and go to my mum and say, mum, I'm doing less and less of, of ophthalmology and more and more of other things. And I was really scared. I, I thought she'd, she'd bite my head off or whatever. And then she looked at me and, and she saw that I was, you know, serious, but happy mm. and contented. Mm. And I said it in a way where it was me. And she said, son, whatever you want. And I was like, Oof. wow, that's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And that's it. I think sometimes we're scared. I got into a pattern as a child where I was just, I'm not going to ask my mum and dad again. I'm not going to ask if I can go out with my friends. Yeah. And that was not great for me and my confidence. So I think now I'm partly sort of my brother. He was always brave enough to do stuff and rebel and da da da. Yeah. And, you know, my mum used to go crazy. She was just very protective. I think all mums are, I think. And um, yeah. I am, yeah, I think I am the free spirit that I was meant to be, that I always was, but just repressed, sort of like yeah. emerging, phoenix rising. Yeah, I mean, that repression is important because it, it sort of feeds your creative juices. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for a lot of creatives, they've had very repressed pasts. Yeah. And, enough. you know, um, so that, you know, so that repression is unfortunately necessary. It's necessary. There you go. Thanks, man. Thanks, man, for a lot of things. <laughs> just a bit of a, you know, just a small analysis there. You know, no, no, it's great. Free analysis. That's great. It's <laughs> Criticism about my emails, analysis, <laughs> poetry reading requests. This is, I don't know where I am with you. <laughs> yeah, I like it, though, because I don't know what's going on either. But, you no, know, we can only tell about ourselves and speak to ourselves and, and sort of work with ourselves. Yeah. And then that causes ripples for other people to sort of tune into. Well, this is a, we, yeah, I think we're always mindful, aren't we, of the impact we have. Sometimes we can be too mindful, be too cautious. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a fan of the mind. I'm more, you know, a fan of the gut because I love to eat my cakes and <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's that feeling, isn't it? You know, yeah. when it when it feels right. Yep. which is which is so non-scientific so exactly. non non-medical which yeah. is totally idiosyncratic with our kind of training yeah. out there and i'm i'm very much about the effort as you could probably tell oh i've got more so or i you're like i mean you know whoever judge me if you want when you're listening you know i'm very into reiki and you know nature as you can tell and you know anything that works you know i'm not I was always, and you know, I think people find this, people that know me, they're fine, you know, whatever, they're not judging. Um, but it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm a doctor. I know how to prescribe tablets. I don't know. I'm not to date, but I know how to prescribe tablets. But there's always something else. Yeah. And I think that's where I like, why I'm so happy. I've just got a, 
role as a writer in residence in Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. I'm plugging myself now. Um, I've just joined the team um, and that has been a 15 year dream since doing my creative writing degree wow. to use writing with patients. So, you know, I happen to be doing it with staff and, you know, in my monthly workshops, et cetera, and in the commission, exciting commissions I'm getting, but I've always wanted to use writing with patients coming back to what we said at the start, because writing has wow. helped me, not just as um, I've always loved writing anyway. It's like, right, part of this is, well, let's just get writing out there just to people, you know, it's such a joy. It's such a joy. Just like some people love, oh, I'm hopeless, you know, getting into that flow state. That's what happens to me when I write. Not every time. Sometimes, you know, you have to do some homework like I had to for my memoir class. But once that really helped me to write, to write that piece that I wrote about my brother and climbing the tree. And if, if writing something as simple as cheap and portable can help a per another person, bring it on, bring it on. If it can help my colleagues, if it can help medical students, if it can help... Um, you know, the person in my local town, which is what my intention was to, to do face-to-face -face groups and hey, there's Miss Corona arriving, um, you know, but I would like to do face-to-face -face groups in my local community. I do stuff with, um, I, I've done stuff with my local women's drop-in group, mental health, giving something back. Um, and I will always do that, you know, pro bono, et cetera, whatever. Um, but if that can help anyone, you know, yes, the downsides, you know, specifically writing for well-being is you're looking at the process of writing and the impact of that on you as opposed to pure. So it's a mixture of creative writing, reflective writing, which all medics are like rolling their eyes. No, don't mention reflective writing, um, expressive writing. So creative, I love a Venn diagram. So in my dissertation on potentials of creative writing um, in healthcare education, so not just for medics, there's a Venn diagram about the mix, you know, the sort of interface of creative writing, expressive writing, reflective writing, journaling, um, memoir, um, you know, the type of book that you've written. So if those, if that, if you expressing yourself can help someone else, because we have a commonality as humans, we have common experiences, you know, we've been, it sounds like we've been through similar things and then we, you know, what should I say? Um, similar journeys different paths yeah that's quite profound similar you know i think we all do don't we because you know we are a community of practice as medics for example i i've though it's tw 30 years ago i've been at medical school though it's 25 years ago as a house officer do you know so i there is shared experience there's shared um you know even if i'm not practicing and i think that's what i bring as an educator so no matter how, how far away i am from clinical practice there is still value um because we have life experience we have maturity and we have our professional experiences that we bring in um, as educators so you know whether you're practicing or not I think there are you know different pros and cons but yeah I think I mean the main thing Roshni is that it's helping you yeah it's it's helping me now but it's, it's funny isn't it you know practice what you preach uh, it's taking me a bit of time to write about I've stopped preaching preach sometimes i do um yeah. across... but i mean for some reason people think i preach i'm not preaching i no. really am not i wouldn't you know, say I, I was i was at sort of some some other um private medical practice and, and they invite me over to do a talk and one of the guys said oh yeah but please don't preach i said well i'm not preaching i'm just saying shit you know it's it might be there their, their perception and their yeah. phraseology might need a little bit of adjustment there. You know, I mean, so, so sometimes if you're a bit too kind of, they think, oh, and it's... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. people aren't ready for that. I mean, this is lovely yeah. just to have a normal conversation because, you know, yeah. we can never have scripted this. 
yeah. not rehearsed this. We've not gone through this before, have we? It's organic. Yeah. It's what evolves. That's that's how I am, and I think that's how you. It, are, it just you know, sprouts out. I I like the sprouting. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that's the best type of thinking. So it's through that thinking and through writing for me is and having these sort of discussions, which is just a real pleasure. Can I just say a real pleasure um, to connect with you and, and thank you for the opportunity is, um, yeah, just gets me thinking of new things. I love that. Developing myself. I come back to the I come I eventually come back to, to what I'm talking about. But yeah, that's what I love about, you know, learning and helping other people develop themselves and I know you do coaching I, I, I've not trained as a coach but you know mentoring and pastoral yeah. support yeah. of healthcare professionals particularly medical students is a real big passion of mine and yeah. um, always has been in training doctors and stuff that's what I miss about medicine I miss being part of that team you know you can get you, know, you still get back in somehow I'm sure yeah, you know your creative juices <laughs> will I could I could oh no no I'm, yeah. I'm really I'll use the words happy and fulfilled are the yeah. word phrases yeah. I've been using all year, maybe since last year, since I set up storied selves, the little storied self. Contented, business. yeah. Content is the word I prefer. I, happiness, oh, I'm going to be like my Dana Kroshny. Um, Happiness is not overrated, but it's not a word I use terribly a lot. Content, I like the word yeah. content. Mm. You know, it's like having your cake, but then you can have the cherry on top. You know, that, you know that's <laughs> yeah. the happiness. I like the cake extended metaphor. Yeah. I like, yeah, I love yeah. cake too. So, I mean, you know, let's end with this. Um, mm -hmm. Having gone through what you've gone through, what yeah. would you say uh, to the Roshni six weeks before finals? What are the three things you would, you mm. would tell her? Um, keep being your authentic self. Um, you'll get through this. And yeah, just keep doing you, which wasn't in my phraseology when I was 18 or 26 or whatever. I don't know if that's particularly. But, but I mean, who was, who, who was she? I mean, if, it, if she wasn't herself, what roles or what persons did she take on that wasn't her? Oh, she took on, she took on, I only thought about this recently, uh, not recently, in the last few years, that, uh, you know, I was a child carer effectively for a part of my life. My mum had brittle asthma. Um, you know, I've been through therapy, um, so I know, Yeah. you know, that whole inner child work effectively, that I know I was responsible. I've always been, and that's probably what they mean, old, you know, old head on young shoulders, yeah. I've been responsible, yeah. um, you know, stuff. My parents didn't get on. So there's always that, you know, there's a sense of response on the older sister, yeah, you know, the yeah. older older sibling position. So that's why I'm like with my friends. I don't have children, but, you know, that's what I'd be like with friends. And that's why I'm very much, a, you know, I'm sort of the big sister, sometimes a bit, too, maybe a bit brotherly. But, you know, I am a nurturing person. So, but about my, yeah, I'm nurturing myself more. Who yeah. was Roshni at 26 is very much who Roshni is now. But Roshni, but very different in that maybe answering Mike's question is, yeah, I've got more of a voice. I feel more confident to be able to share my voice. You would ask me, well, had I known about podcasts before, but if you'd asked me to do this 10 years ago, to, no, 26, 20, when I was 26, yeah. no way would you have got me. I'm like, why? What? Me? What? No. Um, but now I feel comfortable to be able to do it. And you know, I sent you the 
essay of an email before about sort of areas that I will bring up if not that uh, wow that's really controlling Roshni that's another bit of therapy that needs doing but no it was just to inform you this is what I've been through these are the areas that we might touch on and let me do it oh we'll go with the flow I hope we've done that thank well it's you, been oh that that's absolutely fine and and there, there are lots of people out there who listen to this and will make a massive difference to their lives thank you it's been a pleasure, Roshni. Thank Real you. Pleasure with you, meeting you as well. Thank you. Thanks for your time.